Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. It is Denise, and you are watching Speak Now Pro Wrestling here on F4W Online. And it is time to talk about the March 15th edition of AEW Dynamite. And let me start off by saying that we had a pretty damn phenomenal show here today. Uh, the last couple of weeks have kind of been a little bit rough for AEW Dynamite, and we've spoken about that. And uh, truthfully, this was probably the best Dynamite in a couple of weeks. Like, the year started off pretty good for Dynamite. We had some very consistent episodes and then it kind of dipped um, and now it's kind of looking like it's on the rise once again. So I'm very happy about that and I'm very happy to talk about tonight's episode. Before I do, uh, just a friendly reminder to everybody, if you want to help support this podcast or get your by getting your question, your opinion, your statement, uh, whatever it is read here on the stream, you are more than welcome at any point throughout the show to send in a super chat. Uh, it not only helps support me here on the show, but it also so just gets your comment read. It's a little extra something. So I appreciate you guys all in advance. Also, uh, so I got to tell you, I'm a little upset at myself, guys. I'm so upset at myself. Like the worst thing happened to me today. So I, I don't even know. It was like a freak accident. And my light, my lights that I have behind my camera, I'm behind my desktop, excuse me, fell today fell on my desktop and my desktop smashed into my keyboard and now my really beautiful desktop has a big giant crack on it and let me tell you I want to cry just looking at it right now um so it kind of sucks but I'm hoping that my video and everything still looks good uh thankfully the crack didn't go anywhere near the actual webcam I was kind of freaking out but either way uh it sucks though because I really love this computer and now it has a giant crack on it so that's not fun. Uh, so I'm definitely going to have to get that repaired soon. But also, uh, for those who weren't here Friday or on Tuesday, I did make a quick announcement. Uh, this Friday, I will not be here for the SmackDown Rampage show uh, because I am leaving tomorrow to Arizona. And I'm going to be in Arizona from Thursday through Sunday. And for those of you who don't know why I'm there. I'm going to go see Taylor Swift opening night and the second night. So I will be there for two nights watching Taylor Swift perform. So I'm really excited. The first night I got some really good like premium seating. It's like in the 100s or something. But the second night I got VIP floor tickets for the second night. So I can't wait. Um, it's going to be a good time. But let's get into today's episode of Dynamite. Uh, Grapple Geekery sends in a super chat, our first super chat of the night, kicking us off with La Huera Loca. And yeah, we're going to be talking a whole lot about Taya Valkyrie in just a moment because that is going to be one of the biggest things that happened today on the show. So Let's get right to it, everybody. We're going to kick off with a segment that was a little bit lengthy, but it was really damn good. Now, I don't need, I didn't, I didn't keep track of how long this took, but I feel like this took a good amount of time. But basically, what we had was MJF's bar mitzvah, his re bar mitzvah or MJF mitzvah, whatever the hell he called it. Um, he had like a special name for it or something, but it's uh, his re bar mitzvah. And so last week I was laughing because I was here on the show. Thank you to go back 84. He says it lasted 22 minutes. It was a lengthy segment. So 22 minutes sounds about right. So last week on the show, I was telling you guys, I've never been to a bar mitzvah. I have no idea what a bar mitzvah entails. And so today was my first bar mitzvah. And it just so 
happened to be MJF's bar mitzvah. So um, this was pretty funny, okay? There was a whole lot to kind of unpack here. We got a super chat here from Roberto Arsenal who says, this was my favorite Dynamite since December. There was some good stuff at the top of the year. No, there was at least two to three dynamite episodes that i really enjoyed at the top of the year because there was it was really uh jam-packed with like wrestling like wrestling wise it was really great um so there were three that i really liked at the top of this year but thank you so much to roberto arsenal for sending that in uh Abby devin sends in a super chat saying to celebrate one year anniversary of the first denise appreciation super chat Man, you remember that? That is so cool. I love that. Uh, thank you so much to Advi Devin for uh, sending in a super chat on his one year anniversary of sending in a super chat. That is great. Uh, Advi Devin, I appreciate that a whole lot. Seriously. Okay, so let's talk about this MJF's bar mitzvah. This was funny as hell that and then it went from being funny to, oh, crap, look at all of this stuff that's being said to this is going to be a pretty fun direction to see how this all plays out. So MJF goes out there. Clearly the show is in Winnipeg, Canada. So MJF is going to, you know, attack the Canadians. And what is the best way to attack the Canadians other than insulting the man right, right behind me? And that is Bret Hart. So he tells the Canadians, now I know you Canadians aren't very bright, for crying out loud, you folks used to think that Bret Hart was actually entertaining. And then he gets massive boos. And he says, no offense, I think we all know Sean was much better, let's be honest. Now, that's always a heated discussion. If you ever uh, on social media bring that up, Bret versus Sean, you'll get a really fun conversation, clearly. But that was a good way to get some heat in Canada. That was definitely the way to go for MJF. And then he even gets into a little bit of religion. Now, religion is not something that we hear about too often, especially, uh, you know, we hear about it here and there, but it's not something, not material that I feel we get very often in wrestling, at least not recently, or really, I don't really feel like we get too much like religion talk, but we got some from MJF and it was pretty funny because he's talking about, you know, um, a Judaism being the only religion that matters and that, you know, he's going off about being the chosen people. And so clearly this is going to get some heat too, because everybody's of different religions and different backgrounds and, you know, all of that. So that was freaking awesome um, as well. I really liked stuff like that. And that's something that MJF's really good at. So then afterwards, pretty much what we get is the four pillars of AEW and they go out there. We have Jungle Boy, we have Darby Allen, we have Sammy Guevara, and they all kind of take their corner. And so you have each guy in a certain corner and they're all pretty much coming at MJF and they're all taking turns explaining why they feel they should be AEW world champion and why they should get a shot at MJF. Now, let me tell you, I was a big fan of this so, so much because when the first person went who was Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy kicked this off here. Jungle Boy started off by saying that MJF was handed everything, that he was the one who actually had to go and wrestle on all these shows like Dark, Dark Elevation. He even wrestles Rampage and even tells MJF, have you ever even wrestled Rampage? And so he did a really good job at 
kind of making some really solid points about him working to get to this point and how MJF kind of took a totally different route. He even gets hokey, hokey bullshit over because he tells MJF that he's sick and tired of his hokey bullshit. And it was a good line, a good little burn to the point where the fans were chanting hokey bullshit. So I kind of want to hear a little bit more of that. But anyways, so then I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy didn't come to play today. Like he, he came through with this promo. But afterwards, we get Sammy Guevara. And here's the thing. I felt that each guy kind of did better than the other. Uh, Sammy Guevara goes and tells them, you know, that if MJF doesn't shut up, that he's going to turn his rebar mitzvah into his recircumcision. And I died when he said that. That was really funny. But then afterwards, Sammy goes on and he basically kind of reiterates a little bit of what Jungle Boy said, where he says, you know what? I had to go work the independent scenes. I had to go grind. I didn't have the company. I didn't have a machine pushing me and backing me up. I had to go work at Whataburger. And now I have a bunch of Whataburger questions for Sammy Guevara. But then we also got some shots between Sammy and MJF. So MJF called Sammy Guevara the quote, Sammy, in about seven months, I'm going to propose to a new girl, Guevara. He literally said that. And this was something that, uh, you know, the wrestling community was talking about. This was like the gossipy portion because we all know that Sammy proposed to his then uh, fiance in the middle of the ring. And then that didn't work out. And then fast forward, you know, months later, uh, he's remarried uh, with uh, Ty Mello. So that was basically a, a tie in to that whole drama. But then Sammy gets him back saying, that's funny coming from you because you're didn't your fiance just leave you and this is actually a true story in which mjf spoke about this on dynamite where he mentioned that his fiance left him and then it was reported that this was definitely true so there was a lot of little shots thrown here and there but the person to me that i kind of feel won this little promo situation for me it was definitely Darby Allen Darby Allen to me really came through in this so Darby is um, talking about how in 2013 he used to go to film school and he submitted a film and the teacher didn't like it and basically wanted him to change it and he said I'm not going to change anything about me I'm not going to change anything about this film and so I'm going to leave he drops out of film school goes into wrestling school and then from there he says, I came here to be a pro wrestler. Then he says, there will never be a bidding war for Darby Allen because there's no amount of money that can basically change the way I want to live my life and the way that I want to wrestle here in AEW. So that's what he touches on there. But my favorite part in all of this was him mocking people complaining on Twitter about not being happy, about wanting to go someplace, this and that, and throws in MJF as being one of those people. And then afterwards, he ties it all back and says, if I don't get this opportunity, well, I'm just going to go complain on Twitter. Uh, I thought this was absolutely great. In the end, we see MJF, everybody kind of, you know, fights one another. MJF gets thrown into a cake. And this was really freaking fun, guys. This was fun for me because I feel like we're finally seeing, we're finally seeing all of these guys together 
but going for the biggest prize in AEW when there's already been such a big conversation around all of them. So I love that we're kind of getting all of this. I want to see, now we've already seen, we had MJF and Darby Allin. They had a really great match, um, you know, a couple of pay-per-views ago. They had a really good match. But on top of that, I feel like there's just so much that you can do here. You can do all of these one-on-ones. You can do uh, just, you know, do do a, a four way have all four guys in there i feel like whatever direction they decide to go in here it's going to be really fun to see how it all kind of turns out so i was a big fan of this and just seeing all of the interactions with everybody here was really good but let's get your thoughts i'm seeing a couple of super chats so i'm going to go ahead and pull those up right now uh we got reggie simmons my good friend reggie who says hell yeah pro wrestling is dope af uh it's always a good time when we have a good show uh it, it, it makes you really excited to you know talk about things dante nyc sends in a super chat saying this is for the denise desktop repair fund <laughs> good dynamite tonight stoked to see taya valkyrie come out do you know if she signed with aew well tony khan did put out the all elite graphics so there you go uh and thank you for the denise desktop repair fund i have apple care or apple I think it's Apple care is what it's called um i have that for the computer but apparently it's still gonna be like uh, I don't know, it ranges. They said the price is from like $60 to $300 to actually fix the computer. But I don't know. I, I haven't had time to even look into that. But uh, thank you so much for the Denise Desktop Repair Fund. I appreciate it, Dante. Um, all right, so let's get to it. We got a super chat here from Taylor Cannon who says, hey, Denise, really enjoyed the show tonight. What an ending. I agree. The ending, not only the ending with the actual main event, but the closing of the show and basically like the last image that you saw. Andrew Koo sends in a super chat saying, do you think that Tony D'Angelo and Grayson along Mello and Braun, the four pillars of NXT 2.0, even though not many people watch it, um, I would definitely put, I would definitely put Carmelo Hayes in there. I think you pretty, I don't know about Tony D'Angelo. I'm not too sure about Tony D'Angelo putting him on that list, but I would definitely say Grayson. I would definitely say Carmelo Hayes. Braun Breaker is another one. And I'm blanking on who I would probably put instead for NXT 2.0. I'd probably put in, um, if we're going to talk about girls too, I would put in also Roxanne Perez. But yeah, that's a, and there's some good stuff in there. For those of you who haven't checked out my NXT post show, that's on Tuesdays. Uh, Steven sends in a super chat saying, have fun at the concert, Denise. Enjoy some coffee or something to drink during the trip on me. Uh, thank you so much to Steven uh, for always sending in something very kindly. I appreciate this very generous super chat. Really, I do. Um, okay, so... I'm getting all your different thoughts here on uh, basically what's going on. All right. This is from Zeno Hour. Let's read Zeno Hour's thought. Send in your thoughts, guys. Even if it's not a super chat, I try to pull some out that are not super chats as well. Uh, Zeno Hour says, so the segment was very entertaining and a four pillars match is long overdue, but they kind of made AEW backstage sound like Vince McMahon era WWE. I'm very intrigued by all of this. Um, so... I'm definitely intrigued with all of this too, but I'm also thinking you're also talking about the uh, the actual reality show is also what you're talking about. But the whole intro of Dynamite today was really spot on. Justin Martin sends in a thought saying, fantastic seg segment. All four guys had plenty of material and delivered it well. It'll be a great four-way title match, assuming that's where it goes. I feel like that's what it has to be, right? You want to see all of these guys mix it in. Like I said, you can do all of these one-on-ones, but I do think that um, having 
you know, all these guys in a four way would probably be the best, would definitely be the best. Um, all right. So <laughs> there you go. But we got everybody putting over uh also jungle boy this is from patrick scrogans who says the segment was awesome glad to see jungle boy getting some recognition he's practically jungle man at this point man uh he buried freaking christian cage alive and then christian cage soul got sucked underneath the ground um that was another really good visual dante nyc sends in a super chat saying it ended before hangman turned around fully didn't get to see his reaction would love to see hangman reunite with them it did i think by the time the show actually ended like the last thing we saw his head was like midways (laughs) It was like halfways, I think. And then they faded to black and then that was the end. Uh, but thank you so much to Dante for sending this in as well. And Sask's writer, Ming, says a joke here, says time to shorten his name to Jungle Jack. I still can't call him Jack Perry because I'm so used to calling him Jungle Boy. It's really hard to get into the the in, into calling him uh, Jack Perry. Like it's still a little hard for me. I'm so used to Jungle Boy, but let's press on. So we got a couple more things to talk about, but like I said, good start to Dynamite. Um, We got a Jericho quick segment backstage where Chris Jericho was being honored with Chris Jericho way uh, on his childhood street in his hometown. I thought that was really freaking cool. That was nice. I like the little, um, that's, that must be exciting. So that was good, but let's get into the opening match. The match that we had to kick off the show was Dark Order with Hangman uh, versus the Blackpool Combat Club. And this was a fun opening match, I thought. I mean, for the most part, there were some good moments. I thought that... uh, I thought that there was... So there was a portion where uh, Stu Grayson, you think he's going to go and like... He ends up doing a dive like straight through the ring to the outside when you didn't even realize that there was a guy on the outside... To be honest, I really, really loved that part because when the cameraman, the cameraman kind of had the focus someplace else. And so you had no idea or didn't really realize that there was somebody else out there. So it almost looks like he had passed the ring. And for a split millisecond, you're like, where the hell is he going? And then there's somebody on the outside. That was pretty fun in terms of the camera work for there. Um, But I did love all of this. I love the confrontation between Hangman and Moxley. That got a really good reaction from the people because everybody respects Hangman and Moxley. And I'm glad with the way that this because here's here's my criticism of this last week. My criticism of this last week was that I kind of felt like, OK, we had just pretty much wrapped everything with Hangman and John Moxley at AW Revolution. And I didn't necessarily want to kind of resurface that so soon already. And so that was kind of my line of thinking last week. But I know we're going to talk more about these people later on because of what the way that the show ends out. But I personally feel that based on how we saw Based on how we saw the night ending with the visual of the back Blackpool Combat Club and Hangman Adam Page being backed up by the elite, I kind of felt like, oh shit, now I'm liking that they're using this John Moxley, Hangman Adam Page to um, storyline that they did very well to catapult us into this. And this is definitely what I think the Blackpool Combat Club also needed because I had been saying this quite a few times on the show. I kind of felt like we were just seeing the same thing over and over with the Blackpool Combat Club. Like they had a series of matches with like a bunch of random matches. Then I kind of felt we're all the same and they weren't really going anywhere. And it kind of felt like they were struggling to find their footing after uh, William Regal left. So it felt 
like there was still a big piece missing with the Blackpool Combat Club as a whole. I'm not talking about John Moxley because he's had an incredible program with Hangman Page, but Blackpool Combat Club as a whole, it really felt like there was something missing there. And even with the elite, even with the elite, when it came to, you know, their, um, Best of, best of seven series that they did with the death triangle. That was phenomenal, right? Great stuff. The build to their match with House of Black for Revolution wasn't a great build, but the match itself delivered. And then even then, after that, um, we get this three-way, and I'm, I'm kind of bleeding into the three-way now. But the point that I'm trying to say here is that I kind of didn't like that, you know, that in between, between the ending of the best of seven series and the start and the actual matchup at Revolution for the elites, I didn't really care for their placement on the card in terms of I wanted to see more of the elites. I wanted to see them in a bigger story because, again, I didn't like the build to their match with House of Black. So I feel like not only is this kind of bringing things back up for the Blackpool Combat Club, but it's going to sizzle and make things a lot more interesting for the elite, especially if, from the looks of it, they're backing up Hangman Adam Page. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of really good stuff to uh to really just get into so i might as well talk about the main event guys and then i'll circle back to everything else because there's just too many of the same people involved um the main event for tonight was uh i think everything that people wanted this was house of black versus the elite versus the jericho appreciation society this match was made last week when everybody wanted a shot at the house of black and the trios championship this match started getting holy shit chance before the match even actually begun. This was pretty much what you would expect. Um, there were some really great moments. I want to shout out uh, Kenny Omega. Uh, he had pretty much great sequences with literally everybody, but my favorite in particular were the interactions that he had with the House of Black members. Um, there were some really good stuff there. We had a uh, stare down between Chris Jericho and uh, Kenny Omega, and then they go at it. They start throwing shots at each other, but it ends with Kenny Omega getting Jericho with a knee to the face. So that was pretty good. Snapdragon suplexes from Kenny Omega all around this match. And then we see a super kick party by the Bucks, literally super kicking everybody. And then Brody puts a stop to them by getting them with a double lariat. That was a really good moment too. Uh, shout out to Sammy Guevara shooting star press. That looked absolutely beautiful. And then finally, you know, after some more back and forth, we end up seeing, uh, uh, we end up seeing the House of Black get their win by pinning um it was daniel garcia who ends up getting pit who ends up getting pinned but even after this so for those of you who missed the show um and how this all ties into each other after this we were seeing the blackpool combat club and kind of you know go after hangman page because they all went out there and it was kind of just a lot happening and during this so you're seeing the Blackpool Combat Club, you're seeing Hangman Adam Page and he's, you know, there by himself. And then out of nowhere, you see the elites come from behind and have his back. Now, before Hangman Page can actually like fully turn around and react to the elite having his back, they fade to black. And that is how the show actually ends. So that's kind of how all of this is connected here. And I'm liking this because I want things to feel like a bigger deal with the elite, with John Moxley, with all of these parties involved. So I'm really liking the direction that they're going here um, with everything. But let's see what people are saying. Let's get some comments in here. This one's from Shady Havoc, who says, um, freaking awesome main event. Kenny Omega is truly the god of pro wrestling. He was going out there 
there doing some freaking awesome stuff, man. Um, he's somebody that I just feel there's still so many just even random matches that I want to see Kenny Omega have in terms of singles matches that I want to see. Like there's so many guys we haven't seen him just have like a quick little eight minute match or something on dynamite that I would really like to see uh, because, you know, he was gone for a bit and then he came back and then, well, the whole drama happened and then they were gone for a bit again. So I still feel like we're kind of, uh, there's still so many different things we want to see with Kenny Omega. So whenever he was going, you know, doing so much in this match. And so even when you get these little moments where he's going out there and going at it with Buddy Matthews, with Brody King, and they're having all of these really great interactions, it's fun to see. Or even in other matches when he was interacting with guys like A.R. Fox. Um, it's stuff like that where you get these teases and these trios matches or tag team matches or whatever it is that Kenny's doing that you want to see seen um some more of some fresh matchups like i want to see more of kenny omega also doing some singles matches with you know just i don't care random guys anybody because it really is a joy to watch but there you go just some extra thoughts on uh in regards to that but uh we got everybody being very <laughs> happy about young Chavo has a funny one saying bcc versus the elite and hangman oh shucky ducky quack quack i'm dead I'm dead. I wasn't expecting a shucky ducky quack quack on our Wednesday show, but I appreciated uh, uh, Young Chavo for sending that one in. That one actually made me react. Um, Nick Grasso sends in a generous super chat. Thank you so much to Nick who says, decent show like the tease for the elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club, but this should be anarchy in the arena match and save blood and guts for the outcast versus the homegrown girls. Dude, I don't care what they do, but I'll be honest when it comes to blood and guts, I, I don't care what they do. I mean, because I would like either of these two options. I'm not saying I don't care. I, I meant like, I don't care what option they go with because I would be cool with all of them. But Anarchy in the Arena was by far one of the coolest things I have ever experienced uh, as a wrestling fan, being there live and getting to just experience all of this madness. Anybody that was in this building for that will tell you the exact same thing. And even I can only I've never watched it back on TV, though. So but so I can only imagine what it was for the viewers watching and how uh, all of that was. But it was so freaking cool that personally, I like it more than the blood and guts. I, I just had such a great time with it. So personally, I would like to see them do the anarchy uh, in the arena match uh, because I thought that was just so much fun really so much fun and I even though I enjoy blood and guts a whole lot because it's really great to watch or maybe it's because blood and guts I've only ever watched on tv I've never watched blood and guts in person so I feel like because I watched the anarchy in the arena in person I feel like that's why I have a different connection with it but either way man like I said I don't care what they do either option I'm good with uh Nick Rosso thank you so much for this generous super chat as well and you got some good stuff in there all right um, okay, so let's press on from this. After this, well, let me rewind to the beginning, guys, because I already talked about the main event. So I'm kind of a little bit out of order here. Uh, so let's get into Taya Valkyrie and that whole situation. That's the big, that's one of the big topics for tonight. So last week, Jay Cargill was interviewed by Renee Paquette, and she was basically, she, sorry, guys, I'm getting a phone call. Let me lower the volume. Okay, so... <laughs> It's just madness today, guys. It's anarchy in Denise's studio today. Um, okay, so last week, Jade Cargill was doing an interview with Renee Paquette. And in that, you know, she announced that she was going to 
be seeing a, uh, uh, be wrestling whoever is Canada's finest or whoever Canada has to offer. And I remember thinking like, oh, you know, there's a good, like I was thinking, okay, it could be Taya Valkyrie, but then again, she's doing stuff with Impact. She's doing stuff with MLW. I don't know if it's going to be Taya Valkyrie. And then by like the next morning, everybody was like, oh, it's going to be Taya Valkyrie. And I'm like, okay, great. It's going to be Taya Valkyrie. So the way that they played, the way that they did this was clever I thought I thought it was very clever so Jade Cargill goes out there and her opponent is already in the ring and I'm like huh and her opponent ended up being uh Nicole Matthews and mm, I, I don't know Nicole Matthews I, I'm sure a lot of viewers did it probably didn't know Nicole Matthews I'm sure a lot of people did know her but I did it so we have this whole thing where you're like, this is going to be the match. And I'm thinking, no way, like this can't be it. Like something's got to happen. Right. But then it continues on and it ends up being a quick squash. The second it was a quick squash and she gets the 54. No, I'm thinking, okay, now Taya Valkyrie is going to come out or now whoever else is going to face Jade Cargill is going to come out. But then I see Renee Paquette come out and I'm like, damn they're really gonna do this like that's it like it's just gonna be a post a post-match promo what is happening but then the second jade cargill says oh is that all canada has to offer and i'm like there it is right there right there and then you can see the camera is already kind of facing towards the stage so you're wondering this is it this is the moment and lo and behold Taya Valkyrie comes out, La Huera Loca. She makes her AEW debut, and she's officially All Elite per Tony Khan. And she goes in there and stares down Jade Cargill as Jade Cargill holds up that TBS championship. Now, we don't get the matchup, but they're teasing the matchup clearly. So it's going to happen. Who knows when, but it's going to happen. Now, I really hope that we get more than just a matchup. I want to get an entire program out of this. I don't know if we have Taya defeat Jade or if Jade retains. I truly don't know. But if anyone right now, I haven't felt this way about any, uh, I have not felt what I feel for any of the previous opponents that Jade Cargill has, has had, the way that I feel for Taya Valkyrie in the situation. By that, I mean that previously, pretty much everybody that Jade Cargill uh, faced, there weren't very many people that you actually thought, oh, you know what? They might actually defeat Jade Cargill. You didn't really get that from really anybody. Like for the most part, you're like, okay, Jade Cargill is going to win. It's not like this person isn't going to defeat Jade. And it became very clear. And one of my criticisms for Rampage in particular was I kind of felt like we were seeing the same match over and over again and that was something that I spoke out about because I do wish that they would kind of change the format of some of Jade's matches just so that we can see a little bit more she had a really good match um I think it was with Sky Blue and that one they kind of changed it up and kind of made you think like oh man she might actually have an opportunity to defeat Jade Cargill and they didn't really do that that often with Jade but the point is I didn't think that there was anybody up until this point, that could actually defeat, uh, be the one to defeat Jade Cargill and become the new TBS champion until Taya Valkyrie. Taya Valkyrie right now, if she were to, you know, get into this program with Jade and defeat Jade, I think it would be the right thing to do. And I say this for multiple reasons because um, 
I have been following Taya Valkyrie's career now for years. Okay, years. You know, I've been seeing her since, oh my God, Lucha Underground, Indies, all of these random Indies shows that I would go to in Los Angeles and I would see her. I worked with her in our Lucha like back in 2017. Um, God, what else? Uh, pretty much all of these different places. I've seen her wrestle so much and do so much in Impact and AAA in uh, e all of that. And then her finally getting her moment and going to NXT. Now, I know a lot of people probably didn't get to see her NXT run. So let me break it down for you. Because in NXT, this was like the big moment. You know, she had finally gotten signed. She had gotten signed to WWE. And it was, you know, the thing, the dream, all of that, right? So she gets signed and she gets named as uh, Frankie Monet. The Frankie Monet character is pretty much an extension of the Taya Valkyrie character, uh, you know, just under a different name and maybe just tweaks just a tiny bit. But you pretty much got the same, you know, uh, Taya coming out and, you know, she's with the, the great clothes, very fashionable, you know, acting all bougie. She's got her puppy, etc. The first night that she came in, she had a stare down with Raquel Rodriguez and it felt like a big moment. And you're thinking like, oh, man, they're really going to, you know, really do something with Frankie Monet. And unfortunately, they did not. They did not do much with Frankie on NXT. And it was very disappointing because you knew as a viewer, if you had seen Taya Valkyrie wrestle in the past, you knew that there was just so much more that could have been done with her on NXT. How she could have easily, easily been brought into the main roster and they didn't do that. And so... Unfortunately, she got released afterwards, not too long afterwards. And it was like, damn, it really sucked to see that because she didn't get an opportunity to really show what she could do on such a big stage, on such a big platform. And so I recently spoke to Taya Valkyrie in December. Her and I had an interview. You can watch it on my YouTube channel. And she tells me that she did kind of feel like, unfortunately, she didn't get to really show um what she could have shown or what she wanted to show as Frankie uh, as Frankie Monet in NXT. And she was telling me that even though she's going out there, she's doing all of these projects and she's working everywhere, uh, GCW, MLW, Impact, literally everywhere. She was telling me she wanted to find some place to sign, wanted to find uh, a place to call her home and, you know, work with the company and work with them full time while also still being able to do her outside projects because she and John, uh, John Hennigan, John Morrison and whatever you guys want to call them, uh, they do a lot of um what do you call it? Like side projects and movies and film. And she also has a clothing line. So she's writing scripts, has a clothing line and just a bunch of other outside projects. And so she wanted someplace that she could still do those things, right? So she ends up coming out here today. She's all elite. Uh, AEW does allow people to do, to have a little bit of an outside life and maybe, you know, do other things outside of wrestling. So it seems like a very good place for her. I do think that because I've seen Taya wrestle so much, uh, based on everything that I've seen from her, I know for a fact whatever matches she has with whoever she has them with, she's going to raise the bar um, in there with the women. Okay. She's going to spice things up. I'm excited to see what future matchups we could see. Um, sorry. We could see with, uh, with Taya Valkyrie. As a matter of fact, let me just, 
pull up the roster here very quick so I can do some quick uh, dream matches here on what I would like to see. I can already tell you clearly if she has a match with Jamie Hayter, like that will be very fun to see. Uh, anything with her and Jamie Hayter would be good. I would really love to see uh, Taya Valkyrie mix it in there with uh, Hikaru Shida. Dude, uh, Serena Deeb. Uh, Chris Statlander, that would be great. Nyla Rose, because you would get two really like strong alpha females. I think her and Nyla Rose would absolutely kill it. Um, let me see who else would I really want to see. Uh, her and Thunder Rosa, her and Willow Nightingale, Tony Storm, uh, Britt Baker. I mean, there's just so many possibilities. Even her and Riho, because of the size difference. That would be really cool to see. So I'm I'm very excited about this, and I feel like there's gonna be a lot of good potential. Uh, matches there for her so we got a couple of super chats let me get into them this is from infamous raider loco who just sent in a very generous super chat no message but thank you dude i really appreciate it um seriously so much grapple geekery sends in a super chat saying thank god for taya or that segment would have been a waste of time now bring back johnny elite uh and yeah had it just been like the nicole matthews part unfortunately it would have not been what people were expecting but i think for the most part you sensed it like throughout different portions of this where you were like wait there's gotta be more. I know there's more somewhere in there. Uh, and there was more. So this was a really good moment. Thank you so much to Grapple Geekery for uh, sending in that super chat. Um, and we got more people in here just putting this over. We got a super chat from infamous Raider Loco sends another one. Oh man. He says, I forgot to chat last chat. Just wanted to say love the work you do and hope you have an absolutely great time this weekend. Just have to say probably late on this, but Four Pillars was everything. Uh, thank you so much for sending another super chat. I feel like you didn't have to. You could have just wrote your message and I would have definitely still read it. Um, but thank you so much for sending this in. Uh, but yes, I agree with you. The Four Pillars thing was definitely awesome. And I will definitely try and have a, a great weekend. Thank you so much to Infamous Raider Loco. Alrighty. And let me just catch up with all of these comments here and see what people are saying. This is from Dante who says, I like Jade a lot, but it's time for a different champion. If not Taya, then who uh, would have loved Chris Statlander, but she's injured. It's time La Huera Loca. She'd be the one. I can't disagree with you at all on this one. I really can't. That's kind of what I touched on earlier, saying there really wasn't any other opponents previously that I really thought could actually defeat Jade. And Taya feels like the one she feels like the one and it would be it would be a really good moment i i really do think it would be a really good moment and um we got people saying that taya valkyrie versus willow would low-key be a great match it really what we got people putting over wanting to see a match with her and riho and Sheeta and all of these people so there you go that was what happened with Taya Valkyrie and her coming into AEW. All right, um, let's see what else we got. We got QTV, or should I say TMZ. QTV, we finally get our first little uh, segment and they basically show, uh, they basically show uh, Aaron Solo breaking into Wardlow's car. So we get that footage. They sm smashing the window, stealing the title, this and that. And they're doing just a rip off the whole uh, TMZ situation where uh, they have, what's his face, Harvey. Um, by the way, have I ever told you guys about my TMZ audition? Oof, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, <laughs> it was way early in my career and I had an audition with Harvey. It was not good because they had me talk about the thing I hate the most or 
one of the things I disliked the most. I got there. I was pumped. I was ready for my audition. And they were like, so what do you think about this that happened with Kylie Jenner? And I'm like, no, my first assignment is on the Kardashians. I didn't give a damn about the Kardashians. I still don't. And so I bombed my audition. But anyways, it worked out for the better. It worked out for the better. But how do you ask me about Taylor Swift? Oof, that would have been good. But anyway, so we get the uh, uh, the TMZ-esque QTV. This was pretty funny. I like this. I hope that they keep doing this. Or clearly they're going to keep doing this, uh, you know, often. We do learn that Hobbs is going to be having an open challenge. And then later on on the show, we find out that the person who is answering the open challenge for their match at Rampage, it is Ray Phoenix. Hell freaking yes. Finally. Finally, this is going to be so good. I'm going to make sure to go out of my way to actually watch this match because I wasn't planning on watching Rampage this week, but uh, I'm definitely going to make sure to watch this match. But that was that's going to be for the TNT title. I think it's going to be really freaking good. Um, all right. So <laughs> Major Blood says, Denise, if he had asked you about Taylor Swift, we might have not been here chatting with you. Honestly, had gotten hired, I wouldn't have started doing wrestling coverage, guys. I would have been doing something else. I would have been talking about freaking the Kardashians every single week of my life. Uh, so I'm very happy that that did not work out. Um, Grapple Geekery says five bucks for dissing the Kardashians. In that case, I will start like for a whole hour uh, just going off just just to keep making five bucks for dissing the Kardashians. <laughs> Justin Martin sends in a super chat saying, I love that the car breaking was just a storyline and they tricked all the media, including Denise, into reporting it as real. LOL, brilliant stuff. Dude, I included that on an episode of the latest. You know how stupid I felt doing that afterwards? I was like, damn, egg on my damn face. Egg on my damn face. Because it was... It, it felt very believable, guys. It felt so freaking believable. Um, it, given that everybody was talking about like, oh, yeah, your car is going to get broken into in San Francisco and this and that. And I'm like, OK. Uh, so it seemed very, very possible. Um, Man, egg on my face. But thank you so much to Justin Martin. I agree. Uh, stuff like this, personally, I love stuff like this. I love being I, I love it if you can, uh, you know, fool me, if you can work me. I love that because it doesn't happen very often. And when it does, it's like, oh, nice. I fell for that. Good. I, too, want to be entertained. Uh, thank you so much to Justin Martin for sending in this super chat. Uh, yeah, it sold us a ticket, everybody. Sold us a ticket. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, John Deller says, make sure you diss your belly girl voice. He says this because I said this on Tuesday's show that I spoke like a Kardashian, uh, man. All right, let's move on from this. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we got Orange Cassidy versus Jeff Jarrett for the AEW International Championship. Man, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I wanted to see Jeff Jarrett win. Come on. I was ready for the chaos. I was ready for the drama. I was ready to hop onto the stream and see everybody in this chat super pissed off that Jeff Jarrett had won the international championship. I got screwed. I wanted to see this happen when Jay Lethal went in there and hit Orange Cassidy with the freaking, I think they said it was a Golden Globe or something, hits him with the Golden Globe. I thought it was over. I was like, yes, it's going to happen. Jeff Jarrett's going to become international champion and everyone's going to be super angry, super pissed off. 
but it doesn't happen. It ends up being a near fall. Eventually, Orange Cassidy hits the orange punch and he retains. And let me tell you, I was bummed. I was kind of like, womp, womp. I love Orange Cassidy. I really do. That's not even the that's not even the reason why. I was bummed because I just wanted to see chaos. I'm sorry. I woke up today and I chose violence. I wanted to see the chaos of what a Twitter world would look like with Jeff Jarrett defeating Orange Cassidy and becoming AEW International Champion would be. Well, guess we'll never know. Guess we'll never know. All right. <laughs> Juan Ortega says, Denise just wants the world to burn. Yes. Yes, I do. Just kidding. All right. So let's go on and continue with this. Afterwards, uh, we really only got one more thing to talk about, and then that's going to be a wrap for today's show. So um, make sure to send in any last and final thoughts. And then friendly reminder that I won't be here this Friday, What I but I will be back next week, uh, Tuesday for NXT, Wednesday for Dynamite. And then Friday for SmackDown and Rampage. And then literally the week after that, it's going to be WrestleMania week, guys. It's going to be nuts. Uh, Grapple Geekery sends in a super chat saying, thank you, Canadian Jesus, for saving us from Jeff. <laughs> Canadian Jesus pulled through, for, pulled through for all of you here today. Canadian Jesus came through. Thank you, Grapple Geekery, for the super chat. All right. So <laughs> Young Chavo says she chose violence and failed. For reals, man. For reals. But I really would have liked to see that. Dude, Jeff Jarrett is so good at getting the heat. I mean, look at him. He did a freaking sharpshooter in Canada. He's out there mocking Orange Cassidy and doing his bit on Orange Cassidy. It's all great stuff, man. Um, all right. So the outcast. The outcasts go out there. Ruby's talking about bitches. <laughs> You know, Ruby's really surprising me in this. She's been using some words, some verbiage that I didn't know she had in her. Uh, Ruby really came out and was like, I'm not missing my shot, man. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say things that people didn't expect. She's out there talking about bitches. And I'm thinking, what? This is Ruby Soho? Damn. Uh, I love it, though. But so afterwards, uh, they have some pretty good points in here. Soraya comes out and she says that the fans should kiss the ground that she walks on because she's a miracle. And without them, there would be no division. She says um, she then hands the mic to Tony and she tells her, like, I'm pissed. You take over. So Tony Storm takes the mic and I actually really like what Tony Tony had to say because she she she's got some points here. So Tony starts up. <laughs> starts off by saying this is not the part where I said she has some points but she starts off by saying listen up fat people and she gets a bunch of booze but the part that I did like that she said that I thought made a lot of sense was when she said that no one appreciated her at all as interim champion and that the people loved Jamie Hayter instantly that she went out there and she was trying to do the best job that she could and they couldn't even make her a real champion and she was an interim champion and um she has come to the conclusion that the people don't know what they want. I thought this was really good because it is kind of true if you think about it. She was the champ. She was out there, you know, doing a good job and trying her best. And the crowd wasn't biting. The crowd, she, there was no reaction. Uh, she was the interim champion. And then the second Jamie wins, it's like, oh, hey, we're dropping the interim. And she's the legitimate, you know, AEW Women's World Champion. They did recognize Tony Storm's reign. Uh, but the whole time that she actually had it, she was interim. It wasn't until after she lost the bout that they recognized her reign. So 
I thought that was really good. Afterwards, uh, you know, they're going off about how the outcasts aren't going anywhere and they're coming for everybody. And then finally, Jamie and Britt, they run out there and they jump them. Uh, we even see Tony choke Britt Baker with her Gucci belt. But they're pretty much outnumbered and the outcasts are getting the best of them. But then... Finally, the girls get together, like I said last week, when poor Riho was on the ground getting her life beat out of her and no one came to help her. Finally, they get together and Riho comes out with some help. Uh, she's got some backup from Sky Blue and Willow. And so very nice to see them come out there and help out Jamie and Britt and run off the outcast. Uh, they're doing so much better with this story, guys. The second that things really started to change since that Ruby Soho promo. Uh, ever since Ruby Soho joined the outcast, I really do think that this program has just gotten a whole lot better. I'm interested in, I'm, I'm digging the fact that this is also possibly going to raise the, uh, the, the, right. This is going to raise, in my opinion, Sky Blue. It's going to elevate Sky Blue and it's going to elevate Willow as well because they kind of need it, you know? Willow and Sky Blue are very much liked, but they're still not, um, you know they're still not like main players in the division per se, like Willow a little bit more so than sky blue for sure, but they're still not, you know, on the Jamie or Britt Baker level or Soraya or Tony or Ruby. They're not still at that level at dynamite. So I feel like this could be an opportunity for them to kind of just get a little bit more and start becoming uh, more of some featured acts on, on AEW. So I was totally good with all of this. But we got a super chat here from Sheldon Jackson who says, thank God Jarrett lost. Now, who do you have to throw in Orange Cassidy for the title in either AEW or outside of AEW? Also, do you have Cassidy hold the title until Forbidden Door or lose it beforehand? I would have him hold it until Forbidden Door, man, because Forbidden Door was the pay-per-view where I feel like a lot of people were upset that Cassidy was the chosen one and he ended up having a phenomenal match and he got so much shit before beforehand and then afterwards it ended up being like literally match of the night. So I feel like it would actually be good to see Cassidy go into the pay-per-view as champion and I'm also glad that we got some details on um you know the date and when we're gonna where we're gonna be seeing Forbidden Door 2 up in Canada so that should be a lot of fun as well uh, that was one of the favorite shows for last year like everybody really enjoyed Forbidden Door that was a good one and the press scrum was pretty good too because we had Okada there we had Jay White there it it, it felt really it felt like a big deal being at that show and it, it felt important. So there you go. And it was important. Uh, thank you so much to Sheldon Jackson for sending in the super chat. Seriously. Um, all right. So I think we are pretty much, let me get some comments here on what you guys thought about the outcast and let me see <laughs> what you guys were thinking about all of this. And this is actually a comment from reductive 92 who says, Hey Denise, do you think you'd be able to land an interview with the Garcia twins? I'm, if I'm, they'd be down to support another Latina have fun at the concert. So I've interviewed Brie and Nikki in the past, but separately. Um, and they were both at WWE events. And so I tend to get bigger interviews when I go to WWE. Um, I would love to interview Brie and Nikki together as an actual, uh, you know, like a sit down or something. So that's definitely something that I will, you know, 
aim for. Hell yeah, man. I would love to talk to them. Are you kidding me? Like together. And especially now uh, that so much has happened and so much has changed that now they're going as the Garcia twins, you know, they left WWE and they're, you know, going on, moving on, moving on to their next chapter of their lives. And you got to applaud them for that guys. That takes a lot of guts, a lot of courage and also you know, they're doing so much, man. Like, I can't even keep track. Like, they have all of these different projects. Nikki has that uh, that reality show that she does with Blake Shelton. Uh, that's pretty huge. And so they have a lot going on. They're very, they're in another world now. Like, they're not, like, even though they grew, they came out of the wrestling world, they're in an entire different world now. They're in the entertainment Hollywood world. Uh, and they've got their own set of fans and loyal followers. And I think that they will be fine. Uh, you know, they're, they're just doing so much and they've really, they've really built a strong brand and a strong following for themselves with, with a totally different audience from, um, you know, from a wrestling audience and all of that. Um, all right, let's see what else we got here and see what people are saying about all of this. And let's see, this is from AFC and TP who says, that they liked how Hater and Baker marked uh, St. Patrick's Week by rocking the the bewitched double double denim look. I didn't even think about that. I completely forgot. I completely forgot it was St. Patrick's Day weekend. Oh yeah, on March seventeenth. Oh, that's on Friday. I completely forgot. Thank you so much because I need to pack my stuff for Arizona. Oh, I'm not wearing green on Fridays. Damn. I'm going to have to find something green so I don't get pinched. I take that stuff seriously. Uh, but I completely forgot that freaking St. Patrick's Day was even uh, happening. Completely forgot. Um, all right. So uh, let's continue on from all of this. Sorry. You just completely reminded me that that's even happening. Uh, this is from 554K who says, I think Ruby is a better heel than face. And Tony is also more over as a heel because Tony Storm never really went anywhere as a face. She, she didn't get the same reactions. No, the reactions really fell flat for Tony Storm as champion. So I'm glad that she's now getting, you know, better reactions. And this was something that I spoke about during that time. I remember coming out to these podcasts and being like, man, I thought Tony Storm was going to be so much more popular. And then it kind of just fell flat. So that was very, um, that was very surprising, honestly. Very surprising. This is from Rymo D who says, I just can't get behind the personality of the elites, like the way they carry themselves. I can't get behind the troll for life mentality. I get why people love them, though. I'm a fan of them because, you know, they're so fun, so entertaining to watch in the ring. And I do like, you know, their personalities and the way that they dress and how outlandish they are. Uh, I really like everything, all of that. Uh, Juan Ortega says, hey, Denise, did you have Rio swinging a big pipe on your 2023 bingo card? I didn't, but I like the way that she looked with it. I hope she keeps doing it. I hope she keeps doing it. It looks pretty cool. Um, all right. So I think we're pretty much good there as well with everything. Um, all right, guys. So that was it. That was AEW Dynamite for today. A really strong episode. Uh, I had a good time watching. And thank you guys so much, as always, for tuning in. Uh, please, if you enjoyed the show, give it a like. Leave a nice comment or anything. Share the video. Anything helps, really, just to keep spreading the word, to have people uh, tune in and whatnot. Um, again, I will be back here on F4W on Tuesday. So Tuesday, I will be back here on F4W. But in the meantime, 
head on over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. I'm so close to 100,000 subscribers. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get there, though, until after WrestleMania. But I posted an interview with Mickey James that I just did. And for those of you who are fans of Mickey James or fans of Impact Wrestling, we talk about her last rodeo. We talk about her uh, going to WrestleMania because she's excited to see Trish Stratus. Uh, we talk about who her, who she believes is the person that was one of the biggest trailblazers for women in women's wrestling, given that it's Women's History Month. We talk about that. Um, it's a really fun conversation with Mickey James. So please go ahead and check out that interview. Give it some love. And there's so much more on there. I had conversations with Gringo Loco, uh, who is an incredible uh, talent as well. Uh, Action Andretti, that is up there too. There's just so much to go check out at youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week. I'm going on my swiftcation. Bye, everybody. <laughs>